Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. We will employ an exciting, fast, explosive, and diverse offense combined with a physical, punishing, relentless, suffocating defense. Purdy rolls right, looking to throw. Benito gives chase, comes back left. Purdy still looking, sets up, balls loose, rolling around in Iowa State territory. Redmond picked it up. Redmond on the run. Redmond scores. All right, guys, welcome to the Oklahoma Breakdown Podcast, brought to you guys by SB Nation Crimson and Cream Machine. I'm your host, Sreen Kami Amurabian. I am joined by, it's been a long time since we've seen a lot of these fellas. I'm joined by Jack Shields. Jack, how are you doing? I'm all right. I'm, I'm good. Live and kicking. Um, That's always good news. Just, yeah. Just <laughs> I like to hear that. Killing. Uh, how, how, how's, the, how's the married life? Still, still, it's still good. going well? Yeah, it's, pretty it's far? Good. Yeah. Yeah, it's cool. I mean, sometimes I get yelled at for leaving the toilet seat up and shit like that. But you know what? You tell her. You tell her to deal with it. I know. Like, but but then see what happens, and then tell us what happens afterwards. Because we're live streaming. Yeah, and uh, that voice you just heard is from Steven. Steven, how how is life? How is everything? It's good. I've I've finally finished my wedding season like venture. So I'm done with like the bachelor parties. I'm done with the weddings. I'm like free for like four months now. I, I, and I swear to God, right? Like any friend that has a wedding on a Saturday during football season, or that's not on a bye week, there's something wrong with them. I did that too this year. I had to go to Austin for the, uh, the Texas tech game. So I, I remember that. That was, that was, that was shameful. Like should they should be full. Filled with shame. It's true. Well, and, they were OSU fans. So, well, yeah. Well, they're not expecting that. They don't season they don't ticket holders. Games, yeah. That, but yeah, well, the, typical, typical enough. You got to get married this, on a Friday. If the you're stadium, yeah. The, the stadium is never. Oh no, the, this was like full. a full, like half week event, like Wednesday through Saturday. Oh my yeah. god, no. Yeah, it was an event wedding. That's too much. Destination wedding, whatever you want to call it. Oh, that's fair to keep 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 the others out and. The voice you haven't heard yet, uh, we're joined by Chisholm Holland today. You've probably heard him on the radio, uh, specifically <laughs> at the franchise. That man is everywhere. Thanks for joining us tonight, Chisholm. How are you, man? Doing good, brother. I appreciate it. A uh, couple pieces of advice. I've been married a little while. Jack, that's not going to work. Don't do that. <laughs> like that's, You're, asking, you're cruising for a bruiser, as my grandpa would say. I've got to like, there's persistence there. I've got to like, just kind of keep going. Yeah. You know, sure. maybe I'll get my way there, but you know, yeah. I don't know. Uh, and Steven, I, this is a little bit bigger here, but bro, I hated going to weddings. It was my least favorite thing. I, it drove me nuts. It ruined weekends, right? You're spending all this time and all this it's money insane. doing others. Yeah, it's, it's awful. Now. I, I, 
have a kid and just be like, sorry, kid, man, can't come. It's it's the ultimate, like, sorry, I can't do it. I feel like there's, like, a fine trade-off there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, don't, don't get me wrong. There is. But, like, now someone asked me to help him move. Can't do it. Got a kid. But now, like, you want me to go to a football game on a Saturday? I'm there. I'm there. My mom, my wife can watch the kid. Babysitter or something, yeah. Yeah, yeah, whatever. But, you know, don't have to worry about going to weddings anymore. Yeah, my mind have that, to have that, a kid. It's a, it's a great. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, uh, the clock is ticking suddenly. You know, yeah. it starts to make you think about those things. Yeah. There, there are there are benefits to that, including tax write offs, right? Yeah, you know, come you, on now. You can yeah. do things, right? Yeah, that is something I do want. So, uh, tax write offs. This year was you... not kind to the tax. <laughs> Tax and ta- hey, tax hey, taxation is theft, bro. This this country is founded on that. You know, I don't want to pay my taxes on tea. What? <laughs> Anyways, let let's let's talk about football. Let's talk about Oklahoma. Oklahoma. Since we've last talked all together, the game we have not had the gang back together for it feels like for forever. It's been a while between grad school and everybody's work and everything in between. It's been fun. Um, Oklahoma starts their own like kind of NIL group, the One Oklahoma Collective. Chisholm, because you are new to the show with us, sure. What is your view on this idea and how it impacts NIL for the University of Oklahoma? When many people thought, oh, like Oklahoma can't compete with Texas and Texas A&M as far as money, and suddenly now they have established a collective in which I'm sure there are many moving parts behind the curtain. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I I mean the collective thing is is like the industry standard, right? Like, you know, it's just kind of what the expectation is from all these major programs. Uh so Oklahoma jumping on that bandwagon doesn't shock me. I will say I think that one's a little far away from actually like doing anything. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I think fair. that I think there was a push to make sure it got announced before the spring game, and rightfully so, right? Like it was a big recruiting weekend. Obviously, all the kids that were up there, you know. Uh, you know, Ryan or Brian Chapman or Bob Prisbilla, who I talk to pretty frequently, you know, estimate about 50 kids, uh, you know, so that's a big weekend. And if you can make an announcement like that the day before, it matters. I don't think they're like functional. Uh, so there's some work to do there, but it is it is like the industry standard. I like the way that Oklahoma's going about it. You know, first off, Switzer heading it up is hilarious. Uh, and then, uh, you know, adding the chari- charity element to it is, I think, a nice touch as opposed to the Texas A&M thing, which is, I mean, just show up and we'll, we'll just put some money in an envelope and we'll pull this thing off. Uh, or Tennessee, who's like, just name your price. We are desperate to have anyone in here with a pulse. So, you know, the Oklahoma angle is a little bit nice, but I would say it's uh, it's a little bit more in theory right now than in practice from what I understand. The the real robbery of all of it is that if Switzer's, Switzer's heading it up, but he didn't head it up visually with a damn fur coat on. Which is <laughs> it would have been the move. Shame. Yeah needed the fur coat i mean like you know how many hundreds of dollars like how many hundred dollar bills he had in the pockets of those coats oh yeah it would have just driven the nail home on the irony of this whole thing too i mean when you think of switzer you think of the flash you think of bagman you think of you know a bmw for your mom and stuff like that all that stuff that went down in the 70s and 80s but uh you know, the fur coat was a very big uh, visual part of that whole thing. So, yeah, he um, absolutely missed the boat on that. I'm a little disappointed. So, got some bad advice there. Yeah, that, that's uh, that's fair. And, like, so as a, as a collective, for the listeners – what what is what does this even mean? Like how does this how does this collective supposed to work in general? Because it's not just like boosters individually, just like having shit tons of oil money, even though that's what you would want. It, it, it's it's something else where there's like like you said, Chisholm, there's a charity involved and a lot of other 
complex things that go into it. And it's like, what does this look like in, in practice, I guess, or in theory, in, as opposed to just a booster saying, hey, let's make this kid like this all these cars let's give them fowler mm-hmm. toyota cars and vehicles what is this, big what red. is this operative how does that how does it work <laughs> you know big red has got to be the center of all of this God, man. like they have to be the so content i would get out of 15 hours a week of big red was like the main sponsor of this collective i just i can't i need it i like, need it <laughs> like red bomar has to be continuously yes. pissed off right i was oh, yeah. a big red and be like dude Let's get you on a commercial. Make up some uh, some lost value there. <laughs> yeah. So well, if you yeah the well yeah you, you go on good sure 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 yeah so I think first off as everyone will read on the internet like you hop on Twitter everyone's like oh the wild wild west of the nil and so collectives are a little bit like that too right it's from what I understand they're a little bit all over the place as far as the structure because there's not a like a template that anybody's following every school's kind of taking their stab at it um, but in in short it's it's alumni, it's uh, former players, uh, which are a big part of that, which frankly I didn't anticipate originally, but like former players chipping in and kind of agreeing that annually they're going to contribute this much money to a, to a, to the collective, quote unquote. And then, you know, in Texas A&M's case, they are doing it through sponsorships as like social media posts and stuff like that and just, you know, large quantities of money for that. In OU's case, they're making them do so many charity hours uh, through a semester uh, to earn that money. Um, and, you know, in Tennessee's case, they're doing uh, uh, on-site visits and autograph stuff like that. So, no, the McDon- way in- no McDonald's bags. No McDonald's bags. No, 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 no. They moved up. They moved up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's 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 all it's supposed to do is it's supposed to be a it's well, frankly, it's a workaround, right? Because NIL is supposed to be like you're doing something for an organization and they're paying you for your work. It, these collectives are just saying, well, we're just going to pull all of our money together and we're going to decide how we're going to distribute it. And then we'll just kind of make up something for these kids to do for the money. And so that way we can share. You know, so that's what it is, right? It, it's yeah. it's a workaround. Um, and, you know, that's why all the Ross Dellinger stuff this week, frankly, whenever, you know, they're all going to pull this all back and they're not going to let these guys do it. They're, 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 they're always going to find a way to, to work around these rules as long as the NIL stuff's part of it. Oh, so. we'll, we'll, we'll talk we'll talk about Dellinger. Yeah, well, we, we, <laughs> we certainly have that on the dock. And so getting to, getting, getting to Steven, and so with all this in mind because of what happened, what's going on with Pittsburgh and their wide receiver and suddenly, you know, al- allegations of like, oh, tampering and all that stuff. And OU fans and Pittsburgh Panther fans were like rejoicing with each other as far as like just completely crapping on Lincoln Riley. And then I think a lot of reality hit a lot of not all Sooner fans because that's that's clearly not the truth. But many Sooner fans that, you know, the entire like feeling of getting like three or four guys from Tennessee and Mike Woods from Arkansas that, which probably his career would have been better if he had stayed at Arkansas this past year for, for the NFL draft as concerned, maybe that wasn't necessarily the most legal. And it's like, what, what do you like think out of that? What do you get out of that? Were you thinking that at the time or are we just now also realizing that and coming to terms with that? I think we all kind of knew it at the time. I mean, I just, I don't think, um, I don't think we really thought much of it though. I mean, we thought, you know, yay, there's, you know, some behind the scenes tampering, of course, we kind of expected that in the new era of the portal with the, you know, no real, uh, you know, sit outs or anything for transfers or anything like that. You knew it was going to be 
there were going to be some, I don't know, I mean, inducements. There was going to be some contact and some tampering. There was going to be some behind-the-scenes communication through different channels and stuff like that. So we and all Tennessee kind of feels a little that. bit different, right? Because they were like imploding. Like right. in the yeah, moment, yeah. like at least for me, whenever it was like, hey, they're snagging all these guys from Tennessee. It's like, yeah, they got yeah. caught putting McDonald's bags yeah. full yeah. of cash exactly. and lockers. Yeah. Like, I of mean, course they are. Got, Everybody's you know, leaving, three right? Three of right. their 30 transfers, essentially. I mean, that's that's not that weird at the time. But, I mean, it's – uh, you know, you see what's happening with Addison right now. And, um, you know, it's – I think – Here's the thing. I think in the current landscape, I can't really blame Lincoln Riley for what he's doing right now. I can't blame Jordan Addison for doing what he's doing right now. Um, I don't have a problem with NIL, the way that that works. I think there's just a, they need to address the transfer rules at this point. I think keep NIL how it is. NIL's fine. I just think the uh, free transfers in the era of NIL maybe needs to be curbed back in some way. I think keep the grad transfer rule. That's great. Um, you know, keep, uh, you know, let players transfer whenever there's a coaching change. That's fine. I think you need to curb certain things within that landscape, though. Uh, you know, keep NIL how it is. It's great. Players need to be compensated uh, based on their market value, essentially, at this point. So, and I mean, it's, uh, I mean, it's anti-capitalist to do otherwise, frankly. So, um, you know, I think what people need to address right now is the transfer portal, but no one feels like doing that right now. I think the, uh, the powers at that be right now, uh, they're seizing all of these headlines as an opportunity to say, Hey, the general public doesn't seem to like the current landscape. Hey, this is an opportunity for us to kind of batten down the hatches a little bit and, uh, you know, kind of strike back against this NIL thing, but it's not going to work. So, I mean, it's, you know, I wish the uh, the discourse would shift towards the transfer portal here and less towards NIL, but not going to happen. It doesn't seem like so. I don't know. I, I there's a lot of uh, it's kind of a moving target right now over the next few weeks. So uh, you know we'll see what happens. So Jack, you're telling me that a scholarship and a free ride to the University of Oklahoma isn't enough? <laughs> no, off of the millions of dollars they make off of jerseys every year. See, that, here's that, the thing. I that, mean, that, that that graduate degree will last you a lifetime, Mr. Shields. <laughs> back in my day. By the way, coach just got a raise and they built a new pool out back. When my house my house cost a raspberry instead of what it is now. Um so but both all these things encircle in a NIL, right? All, all these things that all together. And so, Steven, I'm gonna direct this question at you first. When NIL was first like legitimized as far as being a thing, what did you think it would entail or look like? Well, you would think it'd be more organized, right? Because I kind of, they introduced it and what they gave it like what a year for states to kind of get on board and pass their laws and that kind of stuff. But, you know, once everything was a go, there was no rules as far as what you do, what you can't do, um, you know, how to go about giving players money. So I thought it'd be a little more organized. I don't know if like the NCAA could really do anything about that. They really can't do anything about anything at this point um, other than pretty much get sued for any decision they make. But um, you'd think there'd be a little bit more structure. I think Oklahoma is kind of trying to do that in a good way. But um, when you're competing against Texas A&M, LSU, SEC schools, it's kind of, you don't want to hamper yourself too much and we'll see how Oklahoma 
goes about managing, I guess, uh, their NIL money. So uh, I know schools can maybe get in trouble for it now. That's what they're trying to do. Players obviously are going to get off scot-free, which they should. Um, there's no real harm in taking any money, but schools are going to be more liable for how money is just distributed than, uh, than the athletes. Uh, Jack, what do you think? I mean, I agree. I mean, if you're, uh, and you know, the way Steven just laid it out, I mean, and this is the way that, you know, this is, you know, kind of being reported by, uh, Ross Dellinger and Pat Forty as well. I mean, it's, uh, it sounds like all of this is going to fall on the, uh, the programs, which frankly, you know, if you're going to punish anyone, in this situation, it should be the programs. I mean, we've seen time and time again where the wrong people are punished for things like this. You know, when people, uh, when you have NCAA sanctions, uh, coaches can leave immediately. Programs don't really, you know, you know, athletic departments don't get hurt. You know, it's, it's nothing like that. I mean, you see players who have to, in most cases they get buyout money, they get paid. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. The, uh, the, uh, players are the ones who, Truly suffer the consequences. Yeah, shit. I think I think about the Pony Express uh, down at SMU. Right. Like that's the, oh, yeah. that, that, that thirty for th- that's one of the best. That's one of my favorite thirty for thirty. It's one right, of the best yeah. ones in my opinion. Like it's just wild how like how all that went down. Like you're suggesting. But... I mean, yeah. It's. I mean, at the same time, though. I mean, I kind of frankly like how this is working out. I mean, I know a lot of people are not thrilled with how fast and loose it all is right now. But mm-hmm. basically, all it is is out in the open right now. This is essentially how it's been for 40 years, but now uh, players don't really have to worry about it anymore. They don't have to be secretive about their money or anything like that. I mean, it's all above board now. And I mean, it's, I understand why, you know, it needs a little bit of tinkering for sure. But, uh, you know, I think uh, NIL shouldn't really be the focus right now. I think there are other things that, you know, there are more pressing matters right now, I think, but. I get. I guess I was like naive to the amount of things that this would amount to, if that makes sense. Like, I thought, oh, cool, video games, jersey sales, this. <laughs> the like, EA no, Sports like, game is coming back, thank God. Yeah, like yeah. for real. Yeah. That, that, that was like that was like <laughs> that was, that. yeah. That's that like was like the thing everyone talked about it. immediately. Yeah. Is this, is that Xbox game yeah. coming back or not? It's like that was my own selfish concern. I was like, yeah. video games, jerseys, you know, they're finally going to get revenue for like the actual sevens or 24s or whatever they're wearing on their backs instead of, you know, the NCAA, the university themselves. And I didn't even think about so many of these other things. And so, um, Chisholm, you kind of alluded to this earlier, uh, talking about, of course, you know, you have Dellinger saying officials contend that boosters are offering inducements to mar- that are masked as NIL. And then boosters Duh. were telling us like now that they're in compliance with state laws, yada, yada, boosters versus the NCAA. Yeah. Do you see like avenues for reform? If you think, do you think this is a real problem? And it, like, how, how do you view NIL now in comparison to where it maybe was started out as a thought process? Uh, I mean, it's close uh, to kind of what I anticipated. Uh, maybe accelerated a little bit quicker than I thought. Um, but yeah, I mean, I thought boosters were going to be involved immediately. Um, you know, they've been involved for 30 years. Now that it now that it's illegal, why would they not immediately go there? And I, I'm sure that the SEC commissioner Greg, Greg Sankey and, and you know the Pac-12 they they all want to try to rein this in because it's moving so quickly, and that's probably incredibly frustrating for their coaching staffs. And now, you know, a guy like Brent Venables is having to basically recruit his own team 365 days a year. That's that's different, um, and it's a big change. I'm not a lawyer. I'm not smart enough to be a lawyer. 
I just try to read people who know what they're talking about and then regurgitate that information. That's my whole job. I don't see how they think they're going to fix this. There, there is no, there's no stopping this, right? Like the Supreme Court has already came out and said, like, free market's free market, bro. And so, like, the way I'm trying to explain it to people is like, think about you and your job, right? Like, you have a full time job, you work nine to five, 40 hours a week, and then if you want to pick up a jar, a job on Friday nights, you know, bartending. And then your boss found out and called and said, no, you can't do that. You'd be like, what do you mean I can't do that? You know, that, that's not on your time. It's my time. I can do whatever I want. This money's outside the university, right? And like, that's the whole thing is it's not costing the school any money. Uh, it's all coming from outside donors. And frankly, uh, this is unpopular. I don't care if they're doing fake charity work. I don't care if they're <laughs> they're showing up at dealership signing autographs. Like if these kids can go like, uh, you might have to help me here. The, uh, the guard from Kansas State who just landed at Miami. Got oh. the cutter K. Um, I know you're yeah. talking about. But I don't so much pack. Yeah, pack. Yeah, yeah. So pack. Uh, you know, he gets eight hundred thousand dollars. Everyone loses their mind. And it's like, how are you going to pay this average college point guard eight hundred thousand dollars to come to Miami? And I'm sitting there in my chair, going, if I was ever, I'd be going, who's his agent? I want that guy's agent because obviously he knows what he's doing. It's not. A, it, it's what you can get. And so you know, if if Connecticut in sports radio called me and said, hey, we want to pay you a million dollars, I'm not worth a million dollars. But if they offered me, I'd take it. I'm not stupid. And just like everybody else in that situation would be too. So I, I think it's just something that frankly, from a legal standpoint, because the Supreme Court said like NIL staying. Um, and, you know, the, uh, the NCAA said multiple times the transfer portal stuff's hard because they've already been sued once for restricting movement. Uh, and so that's somewhere I think that maybe they can make some progress, but they've already been shut down that once yeah. on once. And, yeah. and Jack's absolutely right. The NCAA is scared of its own shadow about getting sued right now. Um, so I think that might be here to stay too. And so what I would tell people is like 40 years ago, college football felt totally different than it did, did 10 years ago. And 30 years from now, it's going to feel totally different again. And I think this transition is very stark and very hard. But at the end of the day, I mean, and you guys would be better at this than I am. Cause I, you know, I don't cheer for the team. I'm not, or I, I don't follow the team that closely. Like I'm just, I'm just trying to follow it from a thousand feet view. I'm not following one team very, very specifically. Saturdays feel the same to me, right? Like, yeah, you're in the middle of July and May, and like all this is different. But Saturdays, when I show up at 11 a.m., because God knows that's the only time the Sooners can kick off, when I show up at 11 a.m. on Saturday, it's the same sport, right? It's the same uniforms. It's the same emotion. It's the same, holy crap, Caleb Williams came back from Texas at halftime, and Spencer Rattler got benched, and it's the same stuff. Because Spencer Rattler was driving a big 4 by 4 They didn't change any of the stories from last year, right? They didn't change any of the emotion from last year. So I think this adjustment... Frankly, what I would tell people is just turn off your phone. Like, if it bothers you, don't follow it because when the sport rolls around in the fall, it's going to be the same football team. It's going to be the same football games and the same schedule that you've loved for 20 years. It's all the stuff in between the games that now has gotten people in a tizzy. And I just, frankly, just tell you, it doesn't affect you. Move on. Like, it'll be okay. You'll, you'll get used to it. Do you guys think that, and this is just something I'm spitballing, do you guys think that the the beginning of the pandemic in 2020 and many of these college towns and really realistically, many of these companies that are associated with college football risk losing a ton of money by not having a season. And suddenly uh, players realizing, and of course players already knew this, but there was a sudden realization of many other people, many other entities that they wish maybe players wouldn't be real realizing is that, they were far more professional than they were actually amateurs. And that sped up this process of NIL that we're just not talking about. Do you think that's a possibility or just something that's just like off the wall? 
Yeah, you can definitely see your value as far as impacts on the community, especially if you look around Campus Corner and, you know, the lack of tailgating, the lack of people at the bars, the restaurants, that kind of stuff. Um, and you're a player and you look, oh, wow, you know, they're not there because I'm not there, essentially. Or they're, they're not there because they can't come to the stadium. They can't come see me. So um, I think there is an element to that as far as just, you know, how valuable or valuable you think you are as a player. But at the same time, I think there's some element that they're there because of the logo as well. And you're kind of your value is enhanced by that logo. So I don't think it's all player value. I think there's kind of a 50 50 as far as you come to Oklahoma, your value is enhanced uh, dramatically than where it would be at maybe like a Texas tech. Yeah, it's fair. I mean, like Pat Mahomes got drafted how late? And if he's at Oklahoma, he's drafted. Oh yeah. He's number one overall. Yeah. Pretty early. Absolutely. And so going on more things that are, are kind of like transcendent in that way, Oklahoma getting away from Bally sports and into ESPN plus, how big of a deal is that? That's massive. I mean, Bally sports, you look at all the problems they have with the thunder games, the softball games, um, pretty much anything they do is a problem. So uh, getting away from Bally sports is nothing but a blessing for Oklahoma their equipment. It, like it, it's still like, even like on the feed, it looks like it's still yeah, like from the nineties, my, my iPhone 12 and just yeah. live streamed it at like the if stadium. Airplayed my, to my TV. Seriously. <laughs> and I mean, the fact that in the era of streaming, you simply could not watch anything on Bally sports. If you have like, I mean, I have Hulu TV. A lot of people have YouTube TV, stuff yeah, like that. I mean, yeah. a lot of us have that. I mean, it's a great product, but you couldn't watch Bally. I literally cannot watch Thunder Games. I have to drive to the garage or something like that. Like, or I illegally to to stream it. Thunder. I mean, which is fine, but, you know, it's uh, it's uh, you're alienating a very large chunk of your audience when you keep it that way. And Joe C I think recognized that obviously. And it's kind of a seamless transition too. That's the thing because you know, here in a year or two, all of this is going to be on sec network, which is all on ESPN plus and stuff like that. So basically you're going to have the same, you know, games and stuff like that. It's all just going to be under the sec network brand on ESPN plus mm -hmm. at that point. So it's a seamless transition. Mm -hmm. What I'm going to miss at that point is, you know, there's a lot of original OU programming within the Sooner Sports TV situation. Mm -hmm. And I'm worried that some of this is going to go away once the SEC move happens. But, you know, I there is some individual school programming within that umbrella. So I'm hoping that a lot of that stuff stays around. That's uh, It's going to be something to watch, though. Justin, what about you? I hey, about the CSP Plus. Uh, well, first off, shout out to not having to do pay-per-view anymore. Uh, I know, God bless. Uh, God shout God out to me. not getting 200 DMs on the Saturday of the spring game, asking people, people ask me how to watch the game. And me going, bro, you ain't. <laughs> like, you ain't watching the game. Uh, you know, so my personal mentions are a whole lot better. Uh, overall, though, I think Jack actually hit on the thing that I care about the most. Because in OU's press release, they hinted at some studio shows. And, you know, we, we've kind of asked around a little bit. Not saying this is going to happen, but that... There's talk that there's a possibility of for softball, basketball, and even possibly football on ESPN Plus, and then obviously the game being on ABC or wherever it is, uh, of OU hosting their own in-studio pregame and postgame shows, uh, which is different, right? Like, it doesn't exist. Um, and so ESPN, you know, carrying OU men's basketball, it's always basically just been like they've been in one basketball game, and then they cut to Norman, and now they're just taking that thing right over. 
the idea that OU fans would be able to tune in 15, 20 minutes early and have a little bit of a setup of like, who's here, they're, here's who they're playing, here's some of their key players, here's how these two teams look up, like just, you know, a normal broadcast, I think is cool. Also for softball as well, which is obviously very, you know, a big deal right now. Um, so that, that stuff really interests me because that would be um, a big commitment, right? To, to run all those studio shows and hire, have all that talent. Again, just from my end, like I know that's a big commitment and a lot of people aren't doing that. So if OU is willing to invest in that, and I assume that probably is also foreshadowing a little bit to like what the SEC network is going to look like, where maybe all the games are on there, but also every school has their own pre and post game show that's going on before and after the game. And like, that's just better content for the fans. One kind of network the Pac-12 is working with. They're working with ESPN right now with ABC. Yeah, rumor is Amazon though, right? That's what yeah, I last time I read. Yeah, yeah. That's that's how it's always special for them. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over two million vehicles and fifty thousand more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. This episode is sponsored by State Farm. Buying insurance can be complicated. And you might have a lot of questions, like, what if my policy doesn't cover that? Or, what if I need to make a claim in the middle of the night? Good news, State Farm is there for all your what-ifs. You can reach them 24-7, talk through any questions with your agent, and you can even file a claim on the State Farm mobile app. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Call or go to statefarm.com to get a quote today. Um, so... On the timeline today, on Twitter, on the Twitter sphere, which is always true, of course, um, <laughs> there, there, there was, there's a inkling of, you know, Jerry Bohannon, the, the Baylor, Jerry, Gary, Gary, Jerry, Gary, I still, Jerry. I'm not hundred percent sure. I've done Gary I, several times. I still don't know how to pronounce Ellinger or Ellinger. It's yeah. been, you know, eight years. <laughs> Just not sure. Ellinger. Yes. Something like that. Until, until he beats somebody else, but. You know, you know, stupid things, spitballing. Who's going to be Oklahoma's? Basically, any quarterback that yeah, that decides to transfer is yeah. a suddenly Oklahoma QB two material, right? Right. And so, my question, first of all, before we even talk about the quarterbacks and Lubby in general, is if if Jerry Bohannon or Gary, if we're, if we're going to go this route too, is your QB two? Does he make you? any better in that QB room or how much better does he really elevate that QB room? If you, if you were to add him in comparison to like Ralph Rucker, Nick Evers, who is of course is just a true freshman and Micah Bowens, who is there, but also the recruiting his brother. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. That's a good way to put it. He's there. You at least have a guy with um, big game experience at the very least. I mean, you've, I mean, Gabriel, he's he's had some injury history. So, I mean, you yep. you need a viable backup behind him. You need a guy who at least can manage a game. That's got at I least mean, like major yeah. Big 12 experience, of right? Of course. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, he's uh he's not a world beater. I mean, I he's 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 fine, but you know, he's better than the current alternative right now. I mean, uh Nick Evers, he's going to be very good, I think, but he's not ready. Micah mm-hmm. Bowen's uh 
Pro- probably never going to be ready. I, w- <laughs> I wouldn't spend much time talking about Micah Bowen. It's true for no, you. No, you're no, not no, ready for the, for the Rucker takeover? Good, good story, but... um, the Ben Harris disrespect, too. Come on now. He won four state titles at Carl Albert. Yeah, what are we doing? Go. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's he's, he's not an ideal safety net there as far as that's concerned. Now, the future of the position is going to be good. I mean, with Evers and uh, Jackson Arnold, I mean, you've got a pretty good one-two punch year after year right there. We're not we're not doing this recruit a quarterback every other year thing anymore. You're going to bring in a quarterback every year and have a little bit of depth and uh, consistency there. So, uh, yeah, that's uh, on the way out with Lincoln Riley, I think. But anyway, I digress. But, um, you know, it's uh, – I think he's a – very valuable asset. I think he's going to be, you know, someone brought up today, he would be pretty valuable in short yardage situations. And, uh, mm. you know, something that would be, you know, and here's the thing, Jeff Levy likes to run the quarterback a lot and he likes quarterback power run situations a lot. So this is a situation where I think he can definitely fit the bill. He's not a great runner, but he's a pretty decent runner. So he's a, a guy who could fit the system pretty well, I think. And, uh, you know, someone who could, you know, if having enough time to, to prepare i mean he could you know transition fairly seamlessly here and so steven let me get your opinion on this then ou does need a backup quarterback so badly i mean brent venables has been very transparent about it pretty much everybody in the program has been very transparent about they need a qb2 they can't have nick evers in there they win a legitimate scholarship quarterback if you're jeff lebby and bohannon isn't the guy at the at this time at this point in time because you were past the spring semester basically for most universities are about to get past the spring semester do you just go over the best guy available or do you go over the guy that maybe fits your system the best but isn't as talented as other athletes that are out there well i think you go with best available at this point um obviously it's kind of a tightrope because you don't want to take a guy that might look like an incumbent for the uh, the position when you're bringing in guys like Jackson Arnold and potentially mm-hmm. uh, DJ Lagway as well. So you don't want a guy that's really going to scare anyone off, but um, you definitely want that safety net there. And where I think, you know, that kind of is where Bohannon fits. He's a guy that's not really going to upgrade your talent per se in that, that locker room, but um, he's not like a, that, he's not like a Jackson room. dark kind of guy, right? Because Jackson yeah, he's, Dart, I he's feel like, be been there. Been you can win some games with him. You can scheme around his strengths and weaknesses. He's not going to be a total liability there. So I think you take Bohannon. He's the best available, uh, at least in OU's radar. So I think he fits fits the bill. I'm a little surprised that OU is in this position as far with, as far as Bohannon's concerned. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, he's, oh, it doesn't make any sense for me for Bohannon. He's leaving I don't know why Baylor he's because he didn't yeah. win the job, and I don't, I don't blame him at all. I mean, you know, you can find a good landing spot, um, you know, and you know, be the starter somewhere. So, little surprised that he's coming to a place where you know a starter's already been declared and is there's a clear front runner there. So it's a, uh, it's a little odd, and you know. There's some, like you said, you know, there's some incumbents behind uh, Gabriel. I mean, you've got Evers and Jackson Arnold who uh, are waiting in the wings. So, I mean, no matter what, Bohannon's not going to be a long-term solution. So, uh, you know, it's at the same time, though, I mean, there's a good chance that he's going to get an opportunity next year. I mean, it's, you know, backup quarterbacks, you know, there's a good chance that you're going to, you know, get your shot. I mean, and, you know, Gabriel, like we've said, has an injury history. So, you know, it's there's it's a there's a non-zero chance that he's going to start some games next year but i from a pragmatic perspective on his end i'm not sure i quite get it but 
if OU is in that position, you've got to you've got to let him come in. For so sure. so Chisholm, if if like like you just said, you, you know the whole Bohannon thing th- doesn't really get it because like this this offensive system that they're running that they're wanting to run is basically Baylor from 2014. Mm-hmm. Everything is an RPO. Um, you're either taking it, you're either giving it off or throwing it down deep to a receiver, which is something that Bohannon has not been able to execute like pretty much at all in his career. Um, and so like, let's say he is a QB two. What do you think that would really like severely handicap the offense considering that their offense is based up basically upon pace and space. If, if you want to use basketball terms, but sure. also the idea of, Hey, we're going to focus in on the running back and the quarterback and have the safeties brought in back in tight because you're not too worried about Jerry Bohannon throwing over the top of your defense. Yeah. So I, I don't. I won't talk about it, but why Gary Bohannon is interested in OU is beyond me. If he wants to start, this obviously isn't his place. Um, He's got a couple years of eligibility. It doesn't make any sense to me. But as far as uh, his fit with this OU team, I think I might like him a little bit more than you guys do. I'm not saying he's great. I really am not. Uh, But he'd he'd be the best backup quarterback in the Big 12, right? Like, he almost won the conference this past year. Like, almost won the conference. And he had some big plays against Oklahoma State this past season. Obviously, he played against OU as well. I mean, he would have been in the Big 12 championship game if he would have been healthy and, you know, maybe wouldn't even be competing for his job if he hadn't gotten hurt going into the end of the year. I, I think he's competent. I think he's competent. And he's actually got my f- sneaky favorite thing about a backup quarterback. I frankly, if I'm allowed to be on my soapbox, I hate it when teams bring in a player who they know is worse than their starter but plays the same way. Like, they just, they're like, he's 60% of what our starter is, but he plays the same way. Well, that stinks. Like, that's not good, right? Like, so now you're totally hampering your offense with a guy who maybe isn't ready to play or is just bad. I like backup quarterbacks that when they come in, they add a new wrinkle that the starter didn't have because that actually gives you a chance to win the game that he's been thrust into. Like, some of the big problems that football teams have is they throw a guy out there who's not ready, trying to duplicate what the starter's doing, and he's not as good as that guy. They throw Gary Bohannon out there. To your point, they're going to run a lot of QB power, and Gary Bohannon's okay with that. Like, Mm -hmm. He's not going to be, uh, you know, Dylan Gabriel, who I think has got a little juice, uh, where maybe some of those eight-yard runs turns into 15, 18-yard runs. But he's going to get six or seven yards a pop. And we watched him just, I mean, just suffocate OU in a first half of a game this year. Like, I think that's okay to bring in uh, a guy who's different than the starter, but competent. Uh, not great. Like, not an NFL prospect, not sniffing an NFL prospect, and but different and i i like that in a backup quarterback because i think that gives you an honest chance to win a game that maybe we're not supposed to i mean think a couple of years ago when OU's playing baylor in the big 12 championship game right baylor's starter gets hurt they bring in the backup quarterback it's this kid who can't throw at all can't throw at all and baylor almost wins that game because they can't stop the qb run like those wrinkles like those mix-ups i always find incredibly fascinating and i don't know why teams don't do it more because if you bring it in your backup you're already desperate like you're already desperate so do something different. Don't do not do something that the team hasn't prepared for all week. Yeah, fair. And so shot out of a cannon, Jack, I'm coming to you first. Nine and a half wins. OU's first season in the SEC. You taking the over or the under? Taking the barely over. I think they go 10 and two. That's kind of how I felt about this season for a little bit. I, uh, I'm guys, I'm oddly worried about the Nebraska game in September. I don't think they're... (laughs) (laughs) Alan and I I talked about that a week and a half ago. Yeah. I just just feel like... I I have a weird feeling about it. They're going to be jazzed up in Lincoln at the same time. I think no matter what, this is going to be a close (laughs) game. I... 
And then, you know, I think they're probably there's always the chance to lose to Texas, even if they're incompetent. Texas can they bring it when they play OU. So that's always kind of a toss up game. I mean, OU usually comes out on top in those, but it's still a bit of a toss up. And then there's always the chance of a stinker. So I'd say 10 and two and go to the Big 12 championship game. Steven, what about you? Yeah, I think I'm just over on that one. I think they're going to have enough talent to compete uh, at least with the the mid-tier teams in the SEC pretty well. Um, you know, culturally, we'll see where they're at. Um, in the trenches, we'll see where they're at too. But I think they can pull it out. I don't think they're going to just drop off and wins all of a sudden, um, especially, you know, with how they're recruiting. And we think maybe how this class might end up, uh, they should have some talent there to compete. Chisholm, I'm going to change up the question a little bit for you. What's this team's ceiling in the SEC, and what's their floor, do you think, in their first season? Well, first off, if they lose to Nebraska, Jack, you're coming to do my show that day because I, I won't be – I'm not taking those phone calls. I'm not reading those text messages. I'm not doing that. Um, it, man, it's tough. Like The SEC is obviously the SEC for a reason. I'm so fascinated to find out what this scheduling looks like. Do they do the pods? Do they do divisions? Right, right. Do they, like that – that could be huge, right? Like if OU ends up on the side with Texas A&M, Texas, Arkansas, right? Like in Alabama gets slipped over to the other side with Georgia. Well, holy hell. You know I mean? They're, they're cooking with gas. Uh, so a lot of that depends on the schedule. I The Brent Venable stuff gives me hope, like with the way he's talking about this team, uh, that they're going to be able to make this transition. But that's all it is, right? Like I'm just being blatantly honest. Yeah. All the stuff he's saying sounds great. And if they show up and they lay it, and I've said all year, like, what is the, what is the, oh crap bombshell moment that could happen at the beginning of the year? Is I didn't even say lose to Nebraska. I said if Nebraska puts up 35, 40 points, we only be looking at each other going, wait, 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 what do we sign up for here? Cause that's not a good sign. Cause Scott Frost has struggled all year. I mean, every game, he can't find a way to, to put a decent offense onto the field. I, my two cents would be, uh, if Revitables is delivering on what he says, which is maybe not, we're going to, turn into national champion contenders uh, in two or three years. But we're going to get tougher in the middle. Uh, we're going to be better along the offensive line. And frankly, the defense isn't going to be so freaking vanilla that I could tell you what they're going to do before the snap of the ball. Then, yeah, I think 10 wins is more than fair, um, as long as they're not having to play Alabama and Georgia and LSU all in the same season. Um, I think 10 wins is, is more than fair. Uh, but, you know, again, we haven't seen Brent Middles be a head coach. Maybe he's a lot more bark than bite. I'm not saying that's true. Just saying we don't know. Then, you know, it could be bad. Like, th- this is a real... Mm-hmm. This is a, a hell of a few years, man. And I, I'm pumped to to be covering this team, like I'm sure you guys are, because the, the possibilities are endless, right? Like, there's right. a possibility they go to the SEC. It's everything that all the fans hope. They become national title contenders. They're up there with Alabama every year, and they're going back and forth and trying to, you know, owe you back at greatness. There's also a scenario they're, they're Nebraska, right? Like, they move to a different conference. They get their butts kicked early. They start losing recruits, and they, they never pick themselves up off the mat. Like, Totally on the table. And I'm not saying one's more likely than the other, but like that that difference, right? That that wide gate of what they could look like when they land in the SEC is like musty television. Like those first two years are are just so critical that they don't need to go in and win the thing, but they they don't need to go in there and get pushed around and look like little sister either. You know what I mean? Right. They, they've got to find a way to be competitive in a big way. And like, so you're talking about floor and ceiling. I mean, yeah, I think 11 wins is probably the floor. And if, if Brent Bittables can't find a way to get this team SEC ready and they get pushed around up front. I mean, seven wins is, is more than fair to me. I think that's interesting. Cause like, I, I'm glad that you acknowledge that because that was something I was going to bring up as well is 
Are they going to do the damn divisions or are they going to do the They got to do the pods. Don't be they, cowards. They, like, Put them in pods. If they, if they do the divisions, it becomes seemingly more like quite easier, right? Because you yeah. would have to force Alabama and Auburn for East uh, in, to, in order to compete against what? Texas, LSU, A&M, and Arky and Mizzou every year yeah. in comparison to, you know, like what's going on in the East with, if Florida gets their shit together, Georgia, uh, Alabama, you, you name them. Like that, those are the towns. That, those are the schools out in the East. Whereas the pods, it offers you actually like more excitement every year. Like what? Ooh, what pod are you gonna go against, or what two other pods are you gonna go against? Which is really intriguing. Mm-hmm. And so it's so hard to gauge. So like that's why I asked. Like what? What is their ceiling? What is it for? It depends on the year too. And it's it's so intriguing to think about. And also kind of thinking about further into the team. The, after the especially after the display of the spring game of course it's really hard to really evaluate the spring game in general just because like it was a talent divided on both sides it was clear what was prioritized for each team and we all we already know that Marvin Mims is going to be the leading receiver of this team or at least most likely should be the leading receiver of this team uh, did they throw the ball to him in the second half yeah, or is he still just a first half player because that I'm might change sure, my answer I'm not sure it depends on if margin hooks is tweeting about it at the time um <laughs> oh, and so uh and so that we we know he's gonna be the number one option so Chisholm, I'm gonna come right back at you who do you think is our second and third in receptions or yardage this coming season? Uh, yeah, so uh, I think Steel Weiss um, and Jaleel Farouk is a guy who I'm like really sneaky in love with this offseason. Uh, I, I think he's got a real opportunity. And that's not true. Did a great Drake Stoops, who I think will be at, you know what Drake Stoops is. Uh, frankly, he should have played a lot more last year. They needed him in a big way, and they just mm-hmm. didn't play him. He should have played a lot more snaps. The wild, so the, my answer is those three. Uh, the wild card to me is Braden Willis because you go look at who OU is recruiting right now. Like they are pounding the tight end position. Like they are, tr- they are. They've offered like eight guys, I think, at that spot yep. going into next year's class. Why? Go look at Jeff Levy's de- offenses. These pat- no tight end use. Like that was the big thing whenever they hired him. I was like, oh man, Braden Willis better go to the league. <laughs> like he's not gonna have targets. But now, now they're recruiting all these tight ends. So I don't know if like uh, Lane Kiffin was anti tight end or what, or if Jeff Levy got in the lab on the whiteboard and came up with some new formation, but they look like they're going to use that because why else would they be investing so many recruiting resources and try to get the next Braden Willis uh, if, if they weren't going to? So uh, I think my stock, like easy answer is the wide receivers, but I mean, Braden Willis might be having a breakout year and we're just not reading the tea leaves right. Uh, Jack, what about you? Okay, so two separate answers here. Receptions, second. I'm going to say Drake Stoops, honestly. I think okay. because of the way that this offense is going to function, you're going to, you know, some, you know, quick passes, you're going to find a guy who finds a little cushion in the zone, and that's going to be Drake Stoops in this instance. You think so. Brent Venables is just, like, funneling him uh, film of Hunter Renfro just, like, Oh, constantly? yeah, absolutely, and <laughs> as he should. I mean, that's who you're looking for. I mean, that's – I'm sorry. It is what it is, but, like, yeah, that's – uh, you know, he's uh, – I think he's going to be second in receptions. I think second in yards. And, heck, I mean, maybe even first in yards. Farouk, I think. Wow. I think he's going to be your deep threat this year. I think I, – I love Theo Wees, but I'm just – I'm not sure what not he's sold going to look like after missing an entire season yeah. due to yeah. injury. Yeah. He's going to be good. I'm biased. I like Wees. Like, Theo's, I, I, Theo's I, a great I, kid, and so, like, I'm just super yeah. biased. It's, love Theo. Farouk, though, I, I – I, we saw flashes against Oregon, and granted, I mean, Oregon had like 
10 scholarship players available <laughs> on defense for that game. Just on you guys. I played safety that game. <laughs> it, was, uh, it, it was something. But, um, yeah. yeah, I think I think, I think think Farouk for yards, though. Steven, what about you? Who, who, who's, who's, who's second and third behind Mims most likely? I think Weiss will probably take the second position. I mean, he just looks good coming out of this, this offseason. Um, you can tell he's put a lot of work in into the weight room, um, getting his body right for this season. But at the same time, you do have to kind of recognize that he's had some health issues there. So if he stays healthy, he's an obvious number two for me. Um, if he doesn't, you know, Farouk, he has that pop. He's, he's a pretty exciting-looking player. Um, but I'll say, you know, the recent rumors that uh, was the Arizona State kid, the LV Bunkley-Shelton kid, if yeah. he comes on campus, I think he is now the number two in receptions and, and the yards for that one. So I think that's fair. Yeah, I think, I think that's fair. And – and that's interesting uh, because, you know, before Theo Weese's injury, he was like really primed and really being talked up as a guy. That, that Baylor game a few years ago, him. man, was, I mean, yeah. they did some flash, he right? carried them to a victory. Like he, he was the reason they won the game. Yeah. He was that a big double catalyst was for that. Magical. 100%. <laughs> and like, it's like, it's like, oh my gosh, this guy's making like upperclassman level moves with Jalen Hurts as your QB, by the way, in that game. That fumbled the ball. Hey, whoa, 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 like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm an Eagles fan. Chill out there. Hey, Come on I'm now. Just, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, the man needs to hold on to the ball. I mean, there's less, there's less I, of that going on in, in Philadelphia. But, but like Theo Weiss, like he was, he was primed to have a big, like big time season, but he gets injured. And so now it's like, okay. Going back to the drawing board, actually like watching the entire season for most or for most of last season and the playing a little bit. It's like, is he primed for a breakout season? He looks good. He's put in the work. Does he trust what's going on with his body? And so I'm going to put him as pencil him as number two. And then maybe that third guy to Chisholm's point, actually, I think I think there's a case for Braden, Braden Wills to be to be made there is because I think a no tight end thing is a hypo thing. That's that's what I think, and because once he got to Ole Miss, uh, I know last year was a little bit different. They started using all kinds of heavy sets with tight ends, mm-hmm. um, and so just seeing the hell, just seeing the sp- seeing the spring game with the very vanilla offense with dudes like Daniel Parker Jr., who is basically just a blocking tight end, is running he like more athletic than I thought. He's, you know, th- that's exactly what I thought. I yeah, thought so it was like Trayvon West. Block, blocking tight end only. It's like he's trying to slow play us. Hey, I'm, I'm the best blocking tight end in the country, so that we, our expectations are so low. If he catches a cold, <laughs> we're surprised. Yeah, I, I, I thought he was Trayvon West running a slant to the secondary behind the freaking linebackers. Like, hold up, wait, no, wait, rewind. That's number 80. Daniel Parker is running routes, and so... I think that if if Braden Willis had not have been on the white team of the spring game, he probably would have had a lot more opportunity because you already had Marvin Mims and Theo Weiss on the red team. Kind of unfair. And so that's probably why they put Farouk and Willis together. So I think Willis has a really big shot. I mean, no doubt Drake Stoops is a wide receiver. It's going to be the guy that's on the field. We need a clutch reception. He's going to be one of those three guys that's on the field catching a pass. But I think there's a case for 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 Willis to definitely get that third in receptions behind Marvin Mims, who is your game breaker at that wide receiver position currently. And so, kind of like heading on to this next suggestion, uh, Stephen, I'm coming to you. Major concerns entering summer ball for the Sooners, and of course, it's just workouts and workouts and hoping not to get injured, but. What are your major concerns as the Sooners enter the summer after all the workouts and out of all the notes and camp notes from spring? 
Yeah, I'm going to go with a pretty vanilla answer here. It's got to be the offensive line. Um, and maybe it's just because in the spring game, they kind of mix things up. They mix up their personnel, kind of see who fits where and what kind of groups fit together. And, and you don't want to put all the same starters on the same team and kind of, you know, even it out a little bit. But uh, the offensive line just has to get better. They have to find some rhythm there. Um, and I think they will. It's just going to take more time. I think the um, tower from Cal looks really good. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, they have some exciting pieces. They definitely have some talent there. Um, I thought the the TCU kid Guyton looked yep. really good. Obviously, he's a little skinny, so he's going to need, you know, probably another year in the weight room before we really see him. But they have some pieces there. It's kind of a matter of can can Beanbow put them together? Yeah, or make Why them work Texas together game, at least. Right, right. Well, that's Hopefully always the, the marker. Yeah, uh, Jack. Same question. Uh, major concern heading into the summer, if any. Well, it is the offensive line, and I think it's it's such a huge variable. I mean, for a few reasons. One, you have a little, you have some new personnel there. I mean, you mentioned Matower and Guyton, but uh, you know, Benny Wiley is out now, and you saw gradually Mr. Oh, yoga himself. Hey, yeah, yoga I mean, is important to the body. Okay, did you guys die laughing when you saw USC's first workout and they had the five pound kettlebells like I did? Because I mean, I couldn't handle it. Like it was, it was like he, it's like they posted that photo for me. I thought, I thought it was actually like like a, a, a Photoshop of like maybe like a women's class had just come in before <laughs> them, but it was just actually the USC athletics facility. But yeah. I mean, you saw gradually over time after Wiley entered the program, the physicality of the offensive line went down year after year after year. Now you have the first season of uh, Schmitty being back. I'm not expecting a change. A leap, right? It, it's it's going to take a year or two probably. But, you know, I think one of the biggest things that's coming in right now, it's a culture change within the program. I mean, I know that word culture, it's, you know, overused in football sometimes. But, you know, it's it. I think, I mean, every single former player you listen to talk about how, you know, much of an impact he had during the offseason and how much of an impact he had on the mentality of the team. I think, I mean, you're going to, I think, you know, next year, I think the physicality should be a little bit better. And one of the main things, I mean, the conditioning seemed to get worse every year with the offensive line under yeah. Wiley. And the I, fuck, the fucking discipline of the team. Right. Yeah, and discipline too. I mean, it's, it's, you know, when you're rotating in Eric Swenson because your tackle's tired, Jesus I mean, we're, we're really, please, we're hitting some low levels. I'm getting some real PTSD with that name right now. Please, God. But yeah, it's, I think it's, <laughs> it's just so intriguing because that's the biggest variable with this new change in um, strength and conditioning. I, and I, because I, I, I think the defense, you know, with Venables coming in, I think most people expect it across the board to improve a little bit this year not not drastically this year but you know a little bit better and it wasn't frankly it wasn't that bad last year i mean it was there were times where the defense saved the offense's bacon last year but uh you know it's the in the skill positions should be fine quarterback gabriel he's not going to win the heisman but he's a very very adequate person for this system the only huge, huge variable here is the offensive line, and I think a lot of it hinges on this uh, how they adapt with uh, Jerry Schmidt coming in. So I think it's uh, it's a very intriguing storyline. It's the storyline of the offseason, frankly. So wow, jeez, it's like I you guys are more worried about the offensive line than I am, I guess. Like because I mean, of <laughs> course, like 
I, I, I see Andrew Rame and I see, okay, I see Andrew Rame progressing and they, they also have Conjol coming back. They also have uh, Chris Murray coming back. So you've got dudes and, and Matower, so who's from Cal. So you have a ton of like guys on the, on the inside. It's like really figuring out, all right, Wanya Morris, are you actually going to be one the Wanya Morris you thought you were getting from Tennessee? Who's going to be the other tackle? Who's going to be the other bookend? And so I'm not too worried about the offensive line, uh, just considering that you are going to have at least three to four solid pieces there that, you know, you're, they're in the NFL, Marquise Hayes, Tyrus Robinson, they're going to shoot you in the foot with a false start every other snap or possession i mean like i'm glad they were blocking downfield and sometimes getting 15 yard penalties for being overly aggressive but my god the amount of times they shot themselves in the foot because they were so undisciplined was like mind-boggling to me my my biggest concern is actually on the opposite side of the trenches i think the the defensive line i'm not necessarily concerned it's my my biggest question mark i mean of course you have jalen redmond coming back that's your that's your that's the diamond of the piece right the J- jalen redmond's coming back and you got the isaiah Coes, you got the juco guys you have jordan kelly who you hope makes a leap you know you got ethan down so i think might be a little undersized let's see what reggie grimes can do and so it's like that's kind of a mystery to me and of course you know brand venables likes to be multiple so you're gonna see four two fives three three fives adapted four two fives you're gonna see a lot of things so it's kind of hard to see where things are fitting i mean especially with jeffrey johnson's addition to the defensive line room as well and so it's like okay jeffrey johnson this dude is a guy it's a very very highly praised within tulane you've got jalen redmond how are the others gonna fit around them you don't necessarily have that bell cow they've had in years prior uh and maybe taken off the field on third down along with nick benito who just got drafted in the second round but i digress uh the the defensive line intrigues me the most i'm not i'm not necessarily worried about the offensive line chisholm what about you uh, I think the off- so not worried about the offensive line. I, I would say there is a little bit of hope that it's going to be like stellar. I don't think it's going to be stellar. Uh, I think it's going to be better because of Smitty. I think it's also going to be better because they're not playing a guard at right tackle. They're playing a right tackle at right tackle, and that that helps. Uh, so like marginal improvement, um, I think is reasonable expectation. I'm not worried about it though being awful. I don't think that's like coming down the pipe. Uh, I, I I agree with you. Defense is actually my concern, but. Like the defensive line stuff, like we know the guys. Just go look at the height and weights of these guys. These are not prevenables defensive tackles right. or defensive ends. Like th- yeah. these are guys who he is going to play in his system, but they don't. They're not guys he would have recruited. Frankly, mm-hmm. uh, he wants bigger bodies. Uh, I, I think for me, the defense that actually, I'm. I don't know if I'm worried about. It. I'm just fascinated to see because it could be a disaster. Wait, is the learning curve? Is the learning curve? They went from running. I, when I. I talked to a handful of the guys in the secondary. When I tell you they were doing the same thing every, I mean the same thing. Third and six, fourth and one, first and twenty. Doesn't matter. It's this. They the secondary was running the same coverage, every snap. Yep. Right. And the linebackers are reading the, the defensive line the same way, every snap. The only thing that was changing was if there was a twist, and if so, who was it on the defensive line? Outside of that, everything else was the same. It was it was so vanilla and so easy to to inter- So now these guys are having to learn a playbook. Like Venables has plays and, and, and formations and mixes up and, and you know ways to mix up the defense. And that's just something these guys haven't had to do. And so mm-hmm. they're going from running really the most standard defense maybe in college football. And, you know, the speed D has success. Yeah. I'm going to look at my part. wrist and see what my one job is for yeah. this play <laughs> yeah. of, the, of these four different variations of the same play. And I'm going to do that right now. All right. right. Ball snap. Yeah. It, 
I mean, and now, and now these guys are like, like DJ Graham was talking the other day about like, you know, he has to learn how to blitz. He hasn't, ever, he hasn't blitzed in college football. He's never had, he's never had to try, try to get past an offensive lineman. You know, it's like, it's something he's never done, but now he's being asked to do. Uh, and so like that element of it, of like, we had coverage bus last year. Right. And they're running cover too. <laughs> like with yeah. off man coverage, like we had coverage bus. That's insane. And now they're going to be mixing and matching and running, you know, cover three and cover one and, and press man coverage, which, Thank the Lord with the bad quarterbacks in this conference. They're going to play for some press man. I, yep. I couldn't fathom. You talk about Gary Bohannon being bad. Why they're not pressing the Baylor receivers that entire game. Whenever he can't throw a slant route is beyond me. Uh, but you know, like that is, that is going to be a big giant, massive learning curve. Cause I mean, that playbook's big. Uh, and so I think frankly, they're going to be some, some mental errors early. That that's one of my biggest questions too. Uh, and, and I think, I, I think we've talked about it. You means me, Steven have talked about it uh prior to this as well as like when does this when is this learning like this learning curve of the offense is going to be quicker just because you have an extension of levy on the field and dylan, and dylan gabriel who's played within somewhat most of that system of course with the lane kiffin wrinkles mixed in whereas the defense like you just said chisholm one read of like five different plays and that was it that, mm-hmm. that that's it and now you're being asked to defend certain certain blades of grass on the field <laughs> sure. going for like checking in from man to zone to going all kinds of different formations um being incredibly multiple having different kinds of variations of sets of guys i mean like brent venables one year at clemson didn't have enough guys in the trenches like you suggested like they don't have those big bodies that he wants those massive bodies that's why there's they're going to the southeast for those guys and he went to John Haycock and was like, "Hey, we don't have we don't have enough big but big bodies to run this four four three four two five, uh, and so he runs he learns to run a three three five, which is apparently the bane of Lincoln Riley's existence. If you run an umbrella coverage, uh, because you know you actually have to make them work for their stuff if they, if you know if they can't run the ball or figure out that they should run the ball. Um, but yeah, that's a, that's something that I've been thinking about consistently, and me and Stephen been talking about it. And so, Stephen, what do you feel confident about going into this off season? Then, what, about this summer, about but going into workouts, what's something that you know you can kind of hang your hat on? I think the running back situation is a lot better than people anticipated. Obviously, Eric Gray kind of looks a little bit better. I think he's put on something like twelve pounds over the mm-hmm. off season. Uh, Javante Barnes looks looks the part for the most part. I mean, Ooh. still needs to put on some weight, but. Kid looks pretty special there. So, is he um, is he tr- is he tr- is he early Trey Sermon for you? <laughs> I don't know if he's Trey Sermon or not because Trey Sermon had one little run style and that was it. It was go downhill or I guess two would be dance side to side till you're tackled. But yeah. uh, in the Javante later Barnes years, has so much versatility. Years. I think. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know, early Trey Sermon run downhill, maybe catch a pass here and there. I think he can do that. So. Uh, but I think the running back room, I, I would also say the safety room is a lot better talent wise. We obviously there's a learning curve there. They can't just those guys were on the team back. last year, Steve, in case you weren't aware. They they, they, they couldn't play they safety. Didn't play. They just, didn't rotate in. Key only, Lawrence and Jada Cole, <laughs> Jada Coleman's boyfriend. It's Pat Fields, and that's it. So yeah. yeah. Uh no, but I like the athleticism. I mean, Billy Bowman looked pretty good back there. Uh, Key Lawrence is looking pretty good back there. So my favorite I player. Think you get an I love upgrade in talent. Um obviously. Not much experience, but uh, I think it's exciting. Jack, you what uh, thoughts, positive ones? I am much more confident that this team will not have issues getting up for games. 
I don't think you're going to have as many emotional letdowns. You're not going to have a Kansas situation. Yep. Frankly, I mean, and I, I didn't think it was always that big of an issue, especially under Lincoln Riley. I just think it's going to be so much more improved under Brent Venables. Just it, it says more about Venables than it says about Riley, frankly. I mean, he, for lack of a better analogy, um, Brent Venables is Bill Snyder on cocaine. <laughs> I mean, I, he he's like an inner. That's, that's the name of the is podcast. That that's, sounds, that's the name. That's the name of the incredible. podcast. That's the name of the podcast he, episode. I mean, he's he's a Brent Venables is Bill Snyder an, on cocaine. He's an extremely exuberant version of Bill Bill Snyder. Essentially, he's he seems to. I mean, he you know played under Bill Snyder, worked under Bill Snyder for a long time, and then um, you know worked under Dabo for a while, who was like a you know redneck Bill Snyder, basically. So. uh you know, it you're, you're getting a little bit of that here. Am I, I also I, Bill Snyder? Yeah, we're all, we're all Bill Snyder. Snyder. We're all, we're I'm the, the franchise Bill, Bill Snyder. Okay, I'm the I'm the younger Middle Eastern version of Bill Snyder. <laughs> if, if everybody is aware. But yeah, I I just I I think you've got a guy who um, you know, players are. I mean, the program is going to be in the vision of this guy, and I think he's going to that type of attitude is going to rub off on people in a positive way i think so uh you know i think uh the mentality and stuff like that i think that's one of the ways that that uh you know kind of manifests itself there so i i think uh i think uh you know that's that that's the you know aside from personnel mm -hmm. that's something within the program for this season that i'm most confident in chisholm what what can you hang your hat on for the sooners this coming season you feel like uh yeah so first off safety is I mean, I can't tell you how excited I am to watch a football team that finally has guys in the back end who can make a play. Jesus, Mary, Joseph. I, I get that they didn't blow any coverages and they wrapped up, but can we can we come up with a, a turnover? Like, can yeah. we can we do something to, to, to flip a football game once? Uh, and so, Key's my favorite player on the team. Uh, I think he's I think he's going to have a couple plays that fans are going to throw something at the TV because you know he's going to make some mistakes, but he's also going to come up with a bunch of turnovers. Man, he he's just a magnet. Uh, so that would be number one. But I think the thing that I actually am the most excited about this season is frankly, OU fans are ticked off, right? Like I've been to a lot of games in the stadium. I've sat in that press box a lot and the environment has been eh, right. Like sold out. Like People are there than, less than tame though. Yeah. Yeah. But like, they're just there. And like, that's cool, bro. They showed up for the spring game. Like it was the super bowl. You know what I mean? Like they're going to come in into this first week and they're going to be ticked off and they're going to be fired up. And like, Let's get some chants going. Let's play some music. Let's like let's have a college football atmosphere that frankly has we not been Caleb there in a while. Chance. Yeah, let's get some we want Caleb chants as well. Booing Spencer Rattler, all the stuff. Like, let's get some like actual like big time. I, I'm trying not to swear, but like you know, you can swear on here. We don't. I don't oh. care. Let's get yeah. some big dick energy from OU. I mean, this is a big time program. Like this fan base in the stadium sometimes just frankly act like they were bored. Like. Go watch a game at Clemson. Go go watch a game at LSU. LSU is oh my gosh, oh, dude! Oh, if only like you knew how many times I said that on the goddamn podcast. Yeah, but like, and so like I've said on the radio a bunch, and frankly, it never changes. But here's what it took: it took a coach leaving in the dead of night after losing Bedlam, flirting with a bunch of programs the entire time, and trying to steal half the roster. And now this this fan base seems pissed, and I'm t I, I interact with them every day, right? Like, it's all right. it is: it is people frustrated and ticked off and angry. And I'm excited to see that in the stadium for the first time in my, at least in my career. Like I've never seen that. 
Yeah, I, I think I think that's really unique, and I, I think you're right. And I think it's not just the uh, the fans too, the the team as well. And 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 to Jack to Jack's point, that's something that I'm hanging my hat on for this for this summer. The team is not is obviously not going to be as talented as they should have been this year uh, with the departure of Caleb Williams, Mario Williams, and several others. Right, the team is just not going to be as talented on paper as they were this last year. However, I think with Brent Venables, I think with Jeff Lebby, I think with Schmitty for sure, everybody forgets about, you know, good old, good old uh, Ted Roof. Uh, you know, he's a, he's a big part of the team. No, no, let's not lie to ourselves. It's Brent Venables defense. Roof is just there to make it, make it run. Uh, but no, I'll the, say the, I was a hundred percent wrong on roof. I thought that guy was going to be super boring. He's hilarious. Like, oh he, yeah. Oh no. Like, oh, he's, he's awesome. So much more personality than I was expecting. I he, thought he was going to be like, hanging out with the librarian. I with him here. Yeah. I mean, Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. He's, yeah, yeah. He's, uh, he's, he's a funny uncle energy. He does. He does. I'm into it. Energy. I'm totally yeah. into it. And, but the, the thing I can all, I, the thing I know I can hang my hat on going into this fall and the summer into the fall, um, are games exactly like Jack was talking about. It's the games, it's the Kansas State games, it's the Texas games, it's the Iowa State games, and maybe even the TCU games some years. Is Oklahoma, Oklahoma's going to get punched in the face earlier, early in the game, and what are they going to do about it? Are they actually going to swing back? Are they going to lie down? Are they going to, like, startle for a second? Are they going to blink first and have to recover from, like, a 14-point, 17-point, 21-point hole? Who knows? And so now I'm no longer worried about this team not being physical. I know this team is going to be more than tough as nails because a, what they just went through, of course, like regarding like everything, you know, the, you know, the head coach, like you just said, leaving in the middle of the night after a bedlam game with Caleb Williams in the car with them, which is oddly suspicious. Uh, and <laughs> having after, after having a house in LA and, and escrow since September. Um, and then you like, you combine all of that with, the amount of discipline that is going to be really, really, really pushed into this team. Like they, this, this team and the same exact players that were talking about what it was like under Grinch in comparison to Mike Stoops are like, you know, the, that transition there was, Oh, we're, we're finally being held accountable for like our actions and other things. And if we don't make a rep or if we don't, if we don't miss it. If we don't make our times, if we mess up outside of whatever, we have to pay the consequences of doing that. And you have the same players that reiterate that, that were saying that about Mike Stoops in comparison to an Alex Grinch defense from now saying, Hey, Oh my God, like don't miss a workout. Don't miss this because they are really not messing around. I don't want to be messing around with Schmitty. I like they are really holding people accountable. So it's like you even have more of an accountability factor, even from the presence in the eye point view of Caleb Kelly, who's been there through through Mike Stoops, through Alex Grinch, and now through Brent Venables and and, and Roof as well. If you want to say Roof is the actual de facto uh, defensive coordinator for this team. But it's just so intriguing to think about the amount and of discipline that people are stacking up on each other. So, like, the amount of discipline and the amount of toughness this team is going to have, I think, is going to carry them further than a, their individual parts of the team. I think the sum of the whole of the team will be better with the, that amount of discipline and uh, that amount of hard work and kind of tough-as-nails mentality combined. 
I could be wrong, but I think it'll be very, very helpful for teams like, again, like Nebraska early on in the season because they're going to want to do the same thing. It's a cloud of dust and four yards, and they're going to see what they can do with OU as far as a defensive line of those linebackers. I mean, that that's what I think is going to, like, don't, don't you think that's what's going to happen in Lincoln? The Casey Thompson's going to be out there running some sort of option and RPOs and stuff like that. Like that's exactly what's going to happen. And so I'm not necessarily as worried about that. Um, kind of to end the podcast, what is everybody's thoughts currently on, on on Patty Gasso and when she gets her massive 200 foot statue in front of the new softball stadium that need that that needs to be built like now um that statue needs to be you know they they need to be working on it right now i mean it needs to be there when that new ballpark opens up like i'm talking pyramid sized statues <laughs> oh no it, 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 you know she is made um, out of bronze like like actual bronze knock over Lloyd Noble the right Saban of softball. Like it, it, it's, it's as simple as that. I mean, it's uh she's got five national championships. She's going to get a six this year. It's uh you know, she, uh, she is a giant in the sport and she is, she's arguably the greatest coach this university's ever had in any sport. Dude, I, I think she is wild. At this point. I, she is at this point. I mean, it's, uh, I don't think, um, we've had someone quite that accomplished ever. So, um, you know, she, I think she raises the profile of this athletic department as a whole. I think, um, you know, she's good for the university's brand and she's spearheading a, the growth of a sport in general. I mean, Softball is growing in popularity like crazy right now. Bed- Bedlam was her on primetime ESPN last yeah. night. Right. I mean, I mean, it's, you know, her program's at the forefront of this too. I mean, it's, uh, it's really exciting to watch. And I mean, I think softball is just a, it's a really good made for TV sport. I mean, I'm not saying it's made for TV, but I mean, it's a great, it's a very TV friendly sport is what I'd yeah. say. It's a lot more it's easy to watch than baseball. Yeah. It's, it's very easy to watch. It's very entertaining. I mean, it's, it's, I think it's just, uh, you know, it's going to be growing in popularity more and more and more over the years. And as long as OU has her, I mean, uh, this program's going to be the face of that sport as it's growing in popularity, which, I mean, I don't think the value of that can be overstated. I mean, this is, it's really establishing OU as like the power of the sport and the marquee power of it. And it's, uh, I think that's just really cool. Chisholm, what is what does it say to you that Patty Gasso wins her first national title in the year 2000 and then suddenly nearly 20 years later is ripping off like what is probably the most like immaculate stretch of softball play in her later years of her tenure at OU? It probably means she's going to stay coaching a little bit longer. Uh, I mean, I think Jack's absolutely right, man. She she's I I. I I always hesitate saying like she's the most accomplished coach in OU history because there's just frankly sports that I just don't know about. Like I, maybe some people say KJ Kindler with the gymnastics team. Obviously yep. they've racked off some national titles as well. Uh, but I mean, I, for me, the way I would like try to quantify Patty Gasso is I started doing radio in 2013. I, we never had anybody ask us to talk softball. 
frankly, if we tried to, there would be people who are incredibly frustrated that we are wasting their time. I've started in the past three weeks, 10 into the 15 shows with softball, right? Like here locally, people care more about that than the NBA playoffs right now. Like, I mean, that's what our, that's what our ratings show is that when we talk softball, people listen, when people, we talk NBA playoffs, people don't. And so she has made a sport that frankly was, I don't want to be rude, but a little bit irrelevant here in Oklahoma to now one of the biggest things that I can talk about on a radio show to, to help boost my ratings. Like that's insane. Like that's, it, that's real massive impact. It's almost like the second most talked about sport behind OU football, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. I oh, mean, people, yeah. people enjoy that conversation a lot more this year than like, OU men's basketball. Like, yeah, I mean, we see what moves the needle on articles, you know, even here's the thing, even when I took over in 2016, I mean, softball was a big deal at that point. I mean, OU had yeah, just won a national championship, but you know, if you wrote, articles on it i mean it would get you know it would get some decent traction but now i mean it does better than men's basketball and i mean this is i mean i mean men's basketball you can say what you want about OU men's basketball fandom i mean i have my opinions i've been a lifelong OU basketball fan but um and i've been frustrated with the support my entire life but uh you know it's it's surpassed men's basketball as far as what can move the needle on our site and, you know, Chisholm, I mean, what you've said, I mean, kind of backs that up. So, I mean, it's it's pretty impressive. And, and, and come, coming to you, Stephen, uh, for the last word, and I'm switching sports on you last second. After seeing the amount of success that Jenny Baranchek has had with OU women's basketball in her first year, uh, with, of course, like you have a, 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 a points leader sitting out, and, of course, you now have a freshman point guard that, started at the high school right down the road of Norman high in Kelby, Washington. Um, and they take that team to pretty high, to pretty high, uh, places in, in, in her first year. Um, and in estimation, how many millions of dollars do you think Sherry Cole stole from the university of Oklahoma? <laughs> oh, it's upwards of a hundred at this point. And in loss value, because I mean, you look at where OU has put their, their other programs outside of football. Um, they haven't really been the talk of the town essentially. And now you have people invested in women's basketball and obviously softball and, and even more so in basketball. And it's, it's about time that, you know, Oh, you move past the Sherry Coles where it kind of makes the sport boring in a way. Like you kind of know what you're going to get. And and now you have a lot of teams, a lot of excitement, a lot of good players um, kind of give them a good stage. Like just get rid of the Lloyd Noble, get rid of the old softball stadium. For the these, love of God, programs. Yes. kill the Lloyd Noble. Please. Give these teams a, a nice place to play. I mean, you're getting rid of Bally sports. You can actually see it on TV now. Like I don't even know how to get onto ballysports.com. Like I can't find anything. Like that. And now I can go watch any team I want to. It's, it's about time that OU kind of invests in a nice place to play for, you know, for the, for the athletes and the fans. Bally Sports, you can get on dial-up internet, uh, I heard. Um, it works really well over there. And and no day- Wait, you guys are watching that live? They're just sending me DVDs in the mail. <laughs> they send you DVDs? Back, you gotta mail those backwards, like 20 bucks. Yeah, yeah. and it's like, it's, like, it's, like, it's like the early Netflix, but shittier. And yeah. they, sometimes you get a VHS instead of a DVD, and they just tell you to deal with it in, like on a sticky note. Uh... <laughs> Some of them are scratching. Like this is not even gonna play. Yeah, no, no, it's it's fine. Just that was the, the worst. Pay the fees. Pay the that was the worst. <laughs> yeah, Pretty movie or a game coming home with scratch. Can't even use it. Golly. Thank goodness we figured that out. And be like I didn't do this. You guys yeah. like this. <laughs> but it's it's so intriguing to think about that the entire women's team. They're like, man, Coach Jenny. Like 
she's the best coach I've ever had. And to where the now you have Maddie Williams and pretty much the entire team that's available to come back next season in comparison to what Porter Moser is currently experiencing, which he'll have to be Portal Moser once again, uh, which I don't imagine that he admires very much with uh, some staffing stuff going on and behind the scenes as well. Um, but I want to first of all thank Chisholm for joining the podcast with us tonight. Chisholm, man, thank you for coming on the podcast. Yeah, dude, y'all guys are great. With all this stuff with us. Where can our listeners find your work and can find you and just reach you in general? Sure. Yeah, at Chisholm Holland on Twitter. I make it pretty easy. Uh, and then I'm on every day from three to six on the franchise. Uh, then OU pregames and postgames for football season. So. A lot of fun. I appreciate you guys letting me on, man. You guys have a killer podcast, a great platform. So, frankly, I I, I appreciate you letting me piggyback off of you. That that's what this is. So, thank you for the hey, man, uh, thank any, you for the plug. Any, anytime we 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 get piggyback rides for free. I don't even charge <laughs> anymore. Like anymore, it's, it's, it's wild. Yeah, yeah. Okay. You know, sometimes you know, it, you know, with everything going on, like you know, money has to be an issue. You know? <laughs> sure. Um, but all right. Anyways, guys, thanks for listening to the podcast. We appreciate all you guys for listening. Uh, check us out on Crimson and Cream Machine.com. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at CC Machine. You can follow Jack at J Larry Shields. You can follow Steven at OEUpdateSB. You can follow me at Cameron CCM. Like Chisholm just said, you can follow him at Chisholm Holland. And you can listen to him on the airwaves, on the radio, on the franchise. Thanks again for listening, guys. And we will check you later.